purity is something that is desirable. So just because we screwed it up <laughs> and, and messed up the definition right. doesn't mean that purity isn't still a good thing. But what is purity? What is biblical purity? Mm. If sexuality is not at the core of our identity and instead Christ is at the core of our identity, mm. that completely changes the way I yeah. look at the word purity. Yeah. Purity isn't about not having sex. Inner purity is what's most important to God. It's a direction. Mm. Are you oriented towards right. the cross? Welcome to the Real Talk Podcast from Real FM. Here's Anson, Kara, and Isaac. Hello and welcome to season four of Real Talk. It's episode one. My name is Anson, joined by Isaac and Kara. Hello. Hello. We are so excited to be that back. Great. That was great. You guys have got that down. We it's practiced. Three yes. seasons of practice. <laughs> We've got the in unison greetings. Nailed it. Locked that's, in. That's right. For season four. You're welcome. We're excited to be back. It's been a little while since we've recorded a Real Talk podcast. And Real Talk is a show where we get real about everything from current events to culture to faith. We're making a few little minor changes to the mm -hmm. podcast for season four. One of the things that we've heard as some feedback from listeners is that it would be great if we had a little bit more time mm. to flesh out some of the conversations that we're having here on the show. Mm. And we totally get that. And so what we're going to try for this season is cutting down a little bit on some of the extra features that we sprinkle into the show yeah. so that we can spend a little bit more time on that main topic. Right. Because we know that's kind of the meat and potatoes of where we're at on the show. And you want to always have time for your meat and potatoes. Everybody loves meat and potatoes. Yeah. Or if you're a vegetarian, like oh. your garbanzo beans <laughs> and yeah. your spinach. So your portobello Isaac, mushroom. Yes. Yeah. Your, your garbanzo <laughs> beans. Portobello mushroom. Sounds Solid. almost yeah. as appetizing to yes. me as meat and potatoes. <laughs> almost. <laughs> <laughs> Today on the show, our conversation is about intimacy, and mm. this is going to be an interesting one, guys. It's mm. a doozy. Yes. We're talking about how there's a mainstream culture out there that's obsessed with hookups. Yes. Mm. And on the opposite side, there's a Christian culture that seems somewhat obsessed on judging people and their purity. Yes. Mm. And we're kind of wondering if maybe both of those points of view miss the point a little bit of what sex and love really are all about. Right. And that's yeah. intimacy. We should throw one more thing out there for this conversation. I don't think we're going to get super crazy, but this probably isn't a conversation that's most appropriate for kids. Probably. So you may want to listen to this one on your own time. There could be a little bit of mature content as we are going to talk about sex, relationships, yeah. marriage, intimacy. With that said, we're going to jump right in and we've got a few new ideas for season four. We rotate these out every season just to try to freshen it up and do something new. So we've got a couple of fun new segments that we're going to do on the show for season four, including the one that we're going to start with right now, which is <laughs> called Hypothetically Speaking. Navigating only the trickiest hypothetical situations. <laughs> this is going to be a lot of fun. We've dabbled in hypothetical situations before. Yeah. With kind of the would you rather concept. Yeah. We a whole did that. episode of yeah. would you rather. And then, yeah, we did kind of this giant hypothetical situation about, I think it was like superpowers. Yeah. Yep. Essentially. That was a lot of fun. That was good. And so we're going to do kind of a mini version of that for each episode of season four. So. The way this works, one of us is going to bring a hypothetical situation to the table, and then we've got to figure out how each of us would navigate that situation. So you ready? Ready. ready. Hypothetical situation number one. You are presented with a panel of 100 identical looking buttons. Ooh. When pressed, 99 of the buttons 
will give you $10,000 a piece. All right. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of dollars. On on the board there. (laughs) Many dollars. Yes. One button, however, when pressed, will immediately kill you. (laughs) Uh, Okay. How many buttons do you press? Uh, none. <laughs> Seriously? You're none. going none. I mean, come on. All it takes is one button and you're dead. That seems True. like pretty, I mean, one in a hundred. Yeah. Those odds it's are one in a hundred. Yeah. I mean, it's a 1% great. chance, but it, a but 1% chance is not so statistically impossible that you might not hit it on the first try. So True. So I'm pulling some numbers here. <laughs> I've got some numbers on mortality statistics. The odds. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm working through this. Yeah, I just keep no, these here walk in my back pocket. Your, walk us through your process, Isaac. So the odds of dying in a car accident are like one in fifty-five. Mm. The odds in your this, lifetime. In your or, lifetime, okay. Odds of being poisoned one in fifty-three. I don't know who's poisoning what? people. It's more likely that you'll be poisoned than die in a car crash. The wow. odds of heart disease one in four. Okay. Oh. oh. Yeah. So. Oh. So. <laughs> hedging my bets here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm gonna say. Both hands mashing the, the console, <laughs> maybe Just getting a for foot it, huh? and a forehead on there. <laughs> wow. Because if I have all of this excess money, I'm not going to be sitting at a desk all day at my job. Oh, bye bye heart disease. There's that. I can hire someone to drive me. Bye oh. bye human error behind. The, I can get a Tesla that drives itself. <laughs> Adios human error. I could helicopter my way to places. Wow. I'm going to press as many buttons as I can. Okay. I'm not sure this is as much money as you're making it out to be, though. Yeah. Because if you hit all 99 buttons. That's a lot. That's a lot. And that would be very difficult to do. In terms, Like the odds are not in your favor for getting all but the (laughs) wrong one. If you got the max amount of money you could, you're talking about $990,000. That's true. So you're just short of a mil. Right. Which is, I mean, that's a lot of money. That's great. But winning... Maybe about not a million dollars may not be enough for like helicopters yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So, but still, I mean, <laughs> the odds of dying in any other way are still greater. Four or five buttons, you're okay. Okay, but the only problem I have with that logic is heart disease or something. Yeah, <laughs> most people that die of heart disease, we're probably talking about like in their 60s, 70s, yes. right or on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. how old are you? You're, you're 25. Yeah, so you're talking about ending it right now. <laughs> Sans <And> heart disease. <laughs> All right, and with like probably eighty k in my pocket. Okay, so yeah. we've got we've got laying on the button array, throwing yeah. my belly flop, and <laughs> we've got zero. You're yeah. pretty committed to none. I don't know. I just i I would be pretty terrified that yeah. I would pick the one that was. Just what happens? Gonna... What happens to the money if I've hit five buttons and then die on the sixth one? Does right? It, does, does it, it go to my next of kin? <laughs> well, there's that. I don't know. I, mean, I guess. That's a I good guess question. we could say yeah. You could declare a beneficiary <laughs> or something. <laughs> Bree's just sitting uh, easy with like a mill. Yeah, she's just back there, like <laughs> sipping some tea. Like, go ahead, Isaac. You lay, sure about, lay on that. You sure like. about that one? Press more buttons. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair to you, Kara. Yeah. These hypothetical situations, it's easy to say. Like, yeah. Oh, sure. I'd press some buttons and see what happens. Yeah. But when you are actually faced with the prospect like, of dying in real life, yeah. Right. I don't actually want to die. <laughs> That's fair. We drive to work every day. I'm, I'm gonna sp- I'm gonna split the difference and okay. say I would maybe do like two to three that's pretty not good. not many yeah because I, I the odds start to go down really quickly that's oh, true yeah. but i'm like i might take a gamble 
press like two or three. That's, You're talking about a little payout of twenty, thirty thousand dollars, which is not. That's enough bad. to be a big deal, yeah. right? Could pay yeah. off some things, yeah. or whatever you want to do. <laughs> but it's also not going. You know, not going to be able to quit my job. It's not going to be like life changing, right? Like right. that. But it's going to be a nice little payout, and I still have. You know, if I press three, I have a ninety-seven percent chance of living. Yeah, which is pretty good. Which yeah. isn't bad. <laughs> so, but then again, I don't know. I, I do have a feeling that I might pull a Kara and like chicken out yeah. at the last minute. See, so. I really do think that with my personality if i were to press one and everything would be okay you, you just you i'm going. such Stop. like a like tiptoe over the line kind of person where i'm like oh well this row is probably all good let's say you take two hands and you go like whap you whack yeah. two big you know i don't know maybe you yeah. knock out 40 buttons or something yeah. in your first go then do you stop Ooh. I don't know. I, I really don't. This is why I don't gamble in real life because I know <laughs> I could win like 50 bucks and I'd be like, oh, I've got this. You just got a predisposition stop. to this here. Oh, 100%. I mean, because if you did like 40 bucks, you're talking yeah. about a good chunk of money. Yeah. yeah. 400,000 bucks, something like that. That's I a pretty good payday. And then all of a sudden, now with only 60 left. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ugh. odds are a little different. One in 60, the odds are climbing. Yeah, I would I'm need stopping. my better half in the room with me to, to <laughs> cut me off. <laughs> So Brie would either be, we've determined, back there sipping tea, waiting yeah. for you to die, <laughs> or she would be like grabbing you around yeah, the waist, trying to you pull back. you away yeah. from the buttons as you're like trying to whack all of them. And she alternates between those moods daily in our relationship <laughs> anyway. So. Oh, poor Brie. All right. So we're going to lock in our final answers here oh. on how many buttons you're going to press. So Kara, you're saying... <sighs> All right, I'll press one. Really? You're going to press, press one? one? Okay. Yes. All right. I wasn't trying to pressure you into changing. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, All right. And Isaac, I know you said lay on it, but give me a number. Approximately how many are you going to lay on? Let's do 10. Just 10? Yeah, we'll oh, do 10. Oh, man, oh now he's you're, like, you're, yeah. You're backing back off enough. when it comes to crunch time. We'll do 10. Yeah. <laughs> you're getting cold feet. We'll, we'll do 10. Okay, okay I'm going to stick right. with my original. I'm going to go with three. Okay. You know what? Do 20. All right. All right. Oh, man. So we've got one, three and 20. Now here's what we're going to do. We're actually going to see who's going to live and who's going to die and how this plays out. Okay. Okay. So, Kara, give me a number between one and 100. Oh, okay. 15. 15. All right. 15 is the killer number. That's the one that'll do you in. So first, we're going to do Kara and her one button press. (laughs) We're going to see what number she gets. Okay. And if she gets $10,000 or gets to go home early. Go to the Lord. <laughs> Kara's number is two, Woo! which means she gets ten thousand dollars. Way to go, Kara! And I'll she take lives. It. I'll take it. You nice. want to press another one? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Backing out now. Yep. Yeah. All right. So Isaac is going to press twenty buttons yes. and see if he can avoid fifteen. Your boy. All right. Here we go, Isaac. Let's see here. I'm gonna get it. I have good luck. <laughs> I do. One, two, five, six, eleven. 20 and so on isaac lives party in my house gold chains for the crew let's go oh my goodness so isaac came away with two hundred thousand dollars oh and man. his life this is why i don't gamble <laughs> i was gonna say now do you want to go again or are you no, done need you in here emergency. all right we'll 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 play breeze roll and pull isaac away from the buttons kicking and screaming Two hundred thousand. well done yes all right now anson is going to press three buttons and 15 oh! <laughs> oh! 
Anson went one fifteen and forty two. And Anson so Anson wins. dies pressing uh, three while Isaac lives. Yeah, no, two hundred thousand in cash. I'm That's serious. so sad. You'll have a nice funeral. <laughs> Take care I was going to say, can you chip in maybe a button or two yeah. for Aww. my funeral? I got you. I got you. <laughs> All right. Well, we've learned that Isaac's risky ways wow. pay off. Anson's conservative measures do not. <laughs> yep. Yep. And now it's time for a brand new segment on the Real Talk podcast. We're calling it the top three, where we make all the lists about all of our favorite things. And this week, since Valentine's Day is coming up, we are talking about top three date night ideas ah. or just date. It doesn't have to be at night. Any time of the day <laughs> <laughs> ideas. Date day, date morning. Date day. I don't really do morning dates very no. often. You don't? Oh, no. yeah. That's not surprising. <laughs> Burn, Sorry, you nerd. <laughs> so, so I'm bringing my ideas, guys, and then I expect to hear some smashing ideas from you because you've been married a little bit longer. So mm-hmm. I expect you to bring your A game here. Number three for me is sitting by a body of water, a lake, a stream, a pond, just some sort of body of water and talking about life and preferably with ice cream. I mean, mm, if you like well, go to, you kay. know, fast food ice cream, you go and pick up a pint of Ben and Jerry's and grab a couple of plastic spoons, but there should be ice cream. Incorporating involved. ice cream into the date scenario definitely yeah. bumps it up the list for, yeah. for you. Yeah, significantly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I don't disagree about the body of water, but I am curious about like, why is that a thing? Like how come sitting next to some sort of liquid because makes a date more romantic than sitting next to non-liquid? I don't know. There's just something very magical about it. Maybe it's just because my husband and I did this a lot while we were dating. There was a particular lake, Lake Fayetteville. There was a trail beside it and also benches. And so it Mm. just was a natural place to go and sit. And that way, like if you're staring at the body of water, it's not awkward if you're not talking. You're Mm. like, look how pretty it is. And then you can just keep staring. And it's nature's like, TV. Right. Exactly. So it's, it's like a natural, Hey, we're outside. We're enjoying this. What's on this. the lake today? <laughs> I love this one. <laughs> Let's binge watch the lake today. Yes. Yes. Okay. So you know, <laughs> make fun of it all you want. No, it's actually really idea. fun. <laughs> so for my three, I have video games specifically like couch co-op style, uh, Mario Kart, Super Mario Odyssey. <laughs> My wife and I got a Switch, and we've been playing a lot of Mario Odyssey lately. Well, we haven't because Anton now has it. But you gave it to me; I didn't steal it. It makes it sound like I just took it from her. But we did play that all the time together. Like I would be Cappy, and we would be Mario, and we'd have adventures together, and it was awesome. It's amazing. Okay, see, I would love to put that one on my list, but my wife refuses to play video games with me. So usually, like the games that Bree and I play, both of us are never good at the same game. So it's always this really funny, like. Yeah, I'll be terrible at Super Mario and I get really frustrated and then she's there to like talk me down off of okay. <laughs> just <laughs> Mario. Mario right. <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah. All right. My number three is a mini vacation. Ooh. We've only done this maybe a couple times in like the 10 years that we've been married, but yeah. it's been really fun when we've done it a couple times where we've gotten like a babysitter for overnight yeah. and we stay at a hotel Somewhere even like right where you live. I mean, it could be right here in Northwest Arkansas for us or or somewhere pretty close by, maybe like Tulsa or something like that. So you're not going a long way. And it's just like a two day, one night kind of a thing. That's really good. So over a weekend. 
go out to eat a few times, have some kind of fun stuff that you do as a yeah. part of that, but just a, a real kind of mini vacation. Like and it. usually you can make it happen for just a, That's really a few hundred bucks. Yeah. It's the fun of getting away and being somewhere new that you mm, get yeah. from a vacation, yeah. but on a much tighter budget. Basically. Yes. I, like oh, that. I love that. Number two for me is going for like a drive with no destination in mind. Hmm. And again, it helps if there is fancy coffee or ice cream involved, just saying, but something about driving for us helps the conversation flow. But I mean, if you're like, okay, I don't know. I don't really have lots of conversation. We have this book that's like a conversation starter book for couples. And so bring that along, go for a drive. It's fun. You're getting out. You're kind of seeing, you know, Northwest Arkansas is beautiful. We did this last Sunday and it was fun just to be like, oh, I didn't even know this was here. So that's my number two. That's cool. My number two is pet shelters. So here's the deal. You go to a pet shelter, they will let you pet all their kittens. Mm-hmm. Which it, is the best thing ever. It costs zero dollars. Oh. And my guys, look, if you take your girl to play with kittens, you might as well get that ring off of Etsy. That's true. <laughs> because you have been now positively associated with cats. Yep. And no cool cars or six pack abs <laughs> will ever erase your face next to little kittens. It's true. One question. What's up? How many times have you gone on this date and returned with oh, an animal? Oh, there's so that. Bree and I have done this multiple times. Uh-huh. And we have gotten two cats. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So just I, I just feel like I, there yeah. should be a little bit of a like warning yeah. sticker true. on that yeah. one. That's very true. You may end up with more pets than you currently have. You have to be cool with coming <laughs> home with one. Yeah. But, but that place uh, in your girl's heart just gets warm even, fuzzies are going I'm off just, right now. Yeah. I, yeah. All the all the warm fuzzies. Ooh, I okay. completely agree. I'd have to come to terms with that one a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My number two is recreational activities that you're both bad at. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Here's the thing. When Dre and I do things together that involve like playing a against each other in something like a board game or any other sort of competition, we get competitive. (laughs) Sometimes that isn't great for our dates. (laughs) So what we've determined is if we're going to do something like that, it has to be something that neither of us are good at. Because if we're both bad, then it's hard to get competitive about something. That is so smart. So if we go like ice skating or something like that, it's everything that both of us can do to not fall on our butts. Yes. And so that works out pretty well because it's like, you know, a relatively low bar that we're trying to hit. Okay, that's awesome. Or even like something like bowling. Neither of us are really great at bowling or anything like that. And so we can do that and normally end the evening not really caring who won or lost. Right. Because we both know that at the end of the day. We're both terrible. Okay, well, my number one fits in very well with that Uh because it's roller skating. Mm. (laughs) Roller skating. Yes, basically. I would be bad at that. Oh, man. I think this was like our second or third date maybe that we did this. And I was all like, oh, yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm actually pretty good at this. Like, it's been a long time since I was 10, but I can do this. (laughs) And then I stood up and almost fell down immediately. (laughs) So that was great. But it was good for like breaking walls down and, you know, just kind of. Do that, I think. uh, Yeah, it was it was really fun. We had a good time. And it's actually like a good workout surprisingly mm. plus all the nostalgia of like all the old 90s songs okay and- tangent how come yes. rollerblading and roller skating are so different i, I can rollerblade like me a too. boss yeah but I then know. i get on roller skates and i'm like i don't know yeah talking about like knocking down walls yeah. i would literally, literally be doing that because i cannot <laughs> stop it's like your center of gravity is different or something yeah. but like the four wheels as opposed to the one i'm just much more likely to just fall right over yeah, i mean if we yeah. can go and i can bring my own pair of blades yeah oh man, totally. man i'm gonna tear it up i'm know, graceful right? on blades <laughs> me too I will, I will carve it up that must have been a 90s kid thing i loved yeah. roller blades i'm <laughs> terrible do. at roller skates <laughs> we all need to go rollerblading that's <laughs> yeah. what i'm hearing my number one is painting classes or Ooh, a painting yeah. event 
and some sort of like public an instructor is there you're kind of doing a paint by instruction number kind of thing cool. me and my wife went to a painting with a sort of like beer bar next to it neither of us drink so we were just kind of there sitting next to people who yeah. were just getting y'all they were getting <laughs> Okay. That in and of Painting itself. class just got yeah. significantly more interesting. That's I went from saying. like a eh, pass to like, right. wait, wait, wait. Now. <laughs> Hold up. Tell me about this. Right. So you go and the idea is that you pay this like flat fee, but then like all of the drinks are served at a discounted rate. Ooh. Even if you do not drink, you can go and get like a Coke and just sit there and watch people lose their mind <laughs> and paint at the same time. And, and honestly, paint. it's amazing. It does sound pretty okay, awesome. Now I want to do that. Yeah. yeah. And you get something to take home when you're done. Exactly. <laughs> all right. I like it. <laughs> Cooking and eating a fancy dinner together at home oh, is my number one. That's great. Seemingly lame, maybe. Actually awesome, very yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am an introvert. My wife is kind of borderline, so yeah. this is something that works for us. If you're, uh, you know, a couple of two extroverts, you may be like, lame, and that's fair. <laughs> but for us, we can make something really great, sometimes even better than we could get at yeah, a restaurant. You, you guys are good Because we, we both enjoy cooking. You yes. get the process of actually making something new together and, right. and making the meal is something that is a really mm. enjoyable part of the process for us. Yes. And by the way, this includes putting the kids to bed early, uh, feeding yeah. them, putting them to bed. <laughs> They're already in bed. We eat relatively late anyway, so it's yes. not a big yes. deal for us to get real hungry and eat at like eight o'clock. Yes. And then, yeah, just sitting together at home and, and enjoying a meal together. We'll mm. even light some candles, turn the lights off in Aww. the house and kind of have a little romantic evening at home. I love that. And it's great because, I mean, the total cost for like, I mean, you can have steak, you can have seafood, you can have all sorts of crazy stuff yeah. for like under 20 bucks. Which is awesome. You get the experience of cooking it together. Mm -hmm. You don't have to deal with crowds and all of that stuff right. that as an introvert I'm not big into. You don't have to tip. <laughs> exactly. And no babysitting cost either if you have right. kids. So if you're on a budget, oh, you need something to do together, make a meal together. That's really Some cool. of our best conversations and experiences have happened around making a meal with each Love other. Love that. Like that. All right, now it's time for a confession session. My day ones are going to know that we brought this back from season one. Yes. I don't know why we brought this back. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did we bring this back? <laughs> We're going over the things that we kind of need to come clean about. So y'all buckle in. Uh, <laughs> I've realized that I don't know how to be angry. Hmm. Not that I don't get angry. It's that kind of like Ricky Bobby. I'm like, what do I do with my hands? I get angry. <laughs> And then all of this nastiness comes up. And especially when it's directed at someone who's generally on the same page as me, I don't know how to work through that. Mm. There's something that happened kind of recently that put me in this weird position. Someone that I love mistreated someone else that I love Ooh. in front of me. Oh, and yeah. And I can see that being an Isaac thing. Too, yes. right? no, that, yeah. That would like, make you more angry than some flipped, people. It flipped all of my switches. I was simultaneously like, okay, we love both of these people. And then <laughs> the other half of my body is like, you need to break a car door off uh, and pummel this other person into the ground with it. Right. I felt like I had been short circuited because I was working between these two conflicting mm -hmm. setups in my mind of love both of these people or, you know, you have to stand up and put an end to this right now. Oh my gosh. And what's bad is, y'all, this happened months ago. And if I'm being really honest, I'm still mad. Mm. I see this person often. And mm. it's all good on the surface, but I'm still trying to figure out how to not feel this way. Because I don't want to feel this way anymore. Mm. But I don't know if there's a conversation that takes place in that. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think you Dang. brought up the confession in the right way, I guess. When you say, 
I don't know how to be angry. I, I think a lot of times one thing that we miss is that being angry isn't wrong. Mm. Anger is not a sin. Right. Christ was angry and justifiably angry. Right. And justified anger is not wrong. It's how we handle that anger. Yeah. Now, a lot of times we don't handle our anger in the right way. Yeah. But I think that's an important thing to start with right. is to say that, like, the fact that you are angered by someone you love hurting someone else that you love is probably justified. Mm. Like, I don't think just being angry about that in general is necessarily a bad thing. Mm. Now, what you do with that yeah. and whether it lasts for years or what, you know, th there could be some challenges that you face there. Yeah. But I think it's important to note that that original kind of just I'm upset by the fact that this happened. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. But I'm totally with you 100% because I have that instinctive, protective nature of the people I love too. the whole you mess with one of my people and oh, oh, I'm mad now. Mm, like that's yeah. the one thing that can really fire us up. But yeah, when it's two of your people, what do you do? I get it, man. And I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I struggle with this, too. I've been reading a lot and I've been working through Romans. And there's this line that I've recently learned that I've been completely misinterpreting. It's uh, 12, 17 through 21. It's repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it at the wrath of God, for it's written, vengeance is mine. There's this line in here, and I like it on the surface. <laughs> if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This burning coals on their head. <laughs> it's like, for yeah, the, that sounds good. For the I longest like time, I was thinking like, yeah, this is my past to be passive aggressive. Okay. <laughs> mm, you like this food that I just gave you. Huh? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> But what that actually means <laughs> is uh, provide them warmth. And when they're on their journey, this is geared towards more like nomadic people that I've read. And like when you're giving someone burning coals, you're offering them warmth and oh an opportunity to build fire at their next encampment. You're not hurting them. You are like providing them another additional kind hearted service. And I was like, well, dang it. <laughs> There goes that coping mechanism. Now my free pass to be a total horrible person <laughs> and be justified is wrong. I think that I, I am starting from a good place of really trying to figure out, okay, I do need to continue to show an example of love, but I can also acknowledge that I'm still angry. Mm -hmm. Sure. Trying to work through that as a process. Right. Figuring out uh, how those things can coexist. Right. Can I yeah. love someone and be angry at them at the same time? Can I feed my enemy? Yes. And like, love them. I think it's possible. Mm. I think it's really hard. And I think sometimes we might think we're doing that when we're not really. Right. Mm. Uh, and so we have to constantly be reevaluating our anger and where we're at. And are we loving and are we, you know, like it's okay to still be hurt. It's okay right. to be all of those things. Yeah. And I think we also have to acknowledge we're probably going to screw that up. Yeah. Like when we're angry, there's going to be components of that that aren't healthy yeah. and we're going to have to work through that. And we're going to have to give ourselves grace for when we screw mm. it up so that we can get back on the horse and keep trying. Right. Our conversation for our first episode is on intimacy. It's something that I think we get wrong from a lot of different angles. Yeah. It's something that we struggle to understand both in our mainstream culture and in our Christian culture. Right. Yeah. And we're going to talk about both of those approaches and how both of those might be missing the mark a little bit on what sex and love and intimacy are really all about. And Kara, you kind of kicked off this conversation among the three of us mm -hmm. when you read a really interesting article that was not from a Christian perspective, right. but from a mainstream perspective, talking about how the mainstream hookup culture 
is kind of unfulfilling, even for people who don't have a Christian background. Yeah, it was fascinating. I was reading from Gabriella Patty, fairlymag.com. She wrote this piece talking about from the perspective of women's magazines like Cosmo and Red Book and these magazines that have been around for years and basically making the argument that these things are dying. Why? She started exploring what's the main content of these. And basically they're all about sex, but they're all about the mechanics and all of Mm. the surface things about sex. That's what all of the magazines focus on. And she comes out and says, you know what? Experts are starting to say that many people aren't finding love or fulfillment in the hookup culture. There's some studies being done that millennials are kind of opting out of sex in large numbers because they're just not finding it fulfilling. The pressure is too much to be available to multiple partners and sex is not as liberating. And she goes back in the day, I understand that in the 60s, there was this free love movement. And the idea was we're going to question standard behaviors and attitudes. We're going to throw off these old norms surrounding sex and relationships. And Mm. we're just going to be free. And the freedom implied that you can just walk away when you're done. No emotional attachment, Mm. no feelings involved. And that's what sex is. So that's kind of the narrative we're being fed. Right. But it was so interesting to me to find this article where this woman and researchers are essentially saying that's not possible to completely divorce. She said our understanding that independence means a rejection of meaningful relationships is false. To put these things on opposing sides is problematic. So very interesting. But at the same time, this narrative is not going away in our culture. I feel like there's this allure to the idea of sexual freedom, being able to have sex with whoever you want, whenever you want and however you want it. Yeah. And yet you talk to almost anyone who has lived that way and it doesn't take long for them to come to the conclusion that it doesn't solve the core needs that they really have. I feel like some of the core problems in our culture today revolve around loneliness and isolation. Absolutely. And I think it's fair to think, well, if I have a endless revolving door of sexual partners, maybe that would solve my loneliness, right? I get someone to spend the night with every night or, you know, whatever I want to do. And yet research is showing that that increases loneliness. It doesn't, it doesn't solve the problem. It almost makes the lack of intimacy more profound when there's Mm. several people that you have this connection with briefly and then they're gone. Mm. It tells you, okay, well, this is just all of these people that I only have on this surface level. I mean, if that was really true, if that's what really worked was just, you know, having sex with random people whenever you want to do it. How come we still have so many people that move in together? How come we have so many people that get a dog together, that get an apartment together? Mm. Because there's this underlying longing for something more than just Mm. the sex. Right. 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 And I think sometimes we still get the priorities out of whack. We think that sex is the most important thing in a relationship. But there's some obvious cues. I think even when you just look at mainstream culture that says most people at some point come to the realization Mm. that there's more to it than that. Yeah. They're just trying to figure out what that thing is. Yeah. Mm. I think that we're emotional creatures. We're not something that we can compartmentalize our physical needs and unpair them from our emotional needs. Mm. The expectation that, like you're saying, you can just have this revolving door of partners. That's implying that you can just shut your brain down, fulfill this need and then keep going. But there's nothing Mm. in life that works that way. You can't unpair the physical and the mental like that. I think that's one of the lies that mainstream culture feeds us about sex, that it's biological Mm. and physical. And that's basically it. There's a massive emotional component that goes along with that. And the biological and physical feeds into that because God literally like put these hormones in us that when that connection happens, your body releases feel good bonding hormones with that person. 
But if you're having that with like multiple people and then they leave and someone like, you don't know uh, yeah, and you're shutting those mechanisms down that are literally created to make you feel bonded to somebody else because that makes it more complicated then of course you're going to have increased feelings of loneliness, right? That yeah. sounds miserable. I think something else to think about and consider is that if we say that sex is just something that's expected, like it's, right. it's something that you do, you know, we all have these desires. Why aren't we doing it? It puts this expectation that it's almost guaranteed in relationships. Mm-hmm. And that's a dangerous place to go. That's assuming that everyone feels the exact same way that you do about it. And if they don't, they're wrong. And yeah. sex mm-hmm. is something that's just a perk of a relationship. And that's not a good mm-hmm. thing. Right. Well, and if you're operating from this, idea that sex is a perk of a relationship and it's something that you deserve, it becomes a very selfish thing. And I think that's another thing that we see from mainstream culture is sex is for you, right? right? You have sex with a partner, not for the partner, but they exist for your own pleasure Mm, and your own benefit. Right. 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 And so in other words, sex is an act of taking instead of an act of giving. I think we see this in all aspects of our lives completely apart from sexual intimacy, that when we're focused on taking Mm -hmm. and receiving more so than on giving, it makes us miserable. And I don't think sex is any exception to that rule. It's a funny thing. When we were prepping for this episode, we kind of talked about it briefly. But right now on The Bachelor, the dude is a virgin. Everyone's coming at it from all of these weird angles. Mm. But from this part of like pop culture that we're talking about, the side of, well, sex is just something that you do. It's it's okay. People are acting as if his decision to abstain is withholding. Like he's wow. keeping that from people. Right. He's keeping that from his partners. It's, and that's unfair. It's, that's it's a weird thing. Yeah. Wow. And it's not very woke of us to be like, yeah. <laughs> this guy's decision with what he's doing with his body is weird. Yeah. I mean, it really mm. flies in the face of what <laughs> mainstream culture claims is their prioritization at the moment, which that's is you should true. be able to do whatever you want to right. do without other people judging you. Mm. As long and, as you're having sex with right. people. Right. <laughs> But but of choosing to abstain, something must be wrong with you. Yeah. And that's not exclusive to like what's happening on The Bachelor either. I mean, the movie 40 Year Old Virgin is a hilarious movie. And yet it reinforces all of these stereotypes, right? Like if you mm. have your virginity intact and you're above the age of, I don't know, particularly 30 and maybe 20, that informs our opinions on you, right? Right. You're right. naive. You're less experienced. There's negative associations that we make with virginity, mm. which... Right. You're right. It's not very woke of us. No. And in fact, in this article, Professor Donna Friedas says hookup culture, it's not creating empowerment and freedom. It's coercion and conformity and despair. Mm. And that's like the opposite of what they're saying. I've got to do it because everyone else is doing it. Exactly. And if you don't, then what's wrong with you? One of the other interesting things to me about this narrative that exists in the mainstream culture is this idea that we can't control sex. Mm. There's coercion in terms of peer pressure, but there's also kind of like our own body in our own biology. True. And so there's this narrative that's pushed that says you can't control sex. Sex controls you. Mm. And so you might as well give into it. I think that's another way that this coercion happens. We say, like, if you can't control it, you got to just give in and go right ahead. I don't know if I buy that. Like, I mean, mm. I understand that there is biological stuff that happens that makes us desire that. And I, I'm not right. trying to dispute any of that. Right. But I'm also not sure that I buy the idea that like yeah. uh, we're, we're out of control, sexual beings. You just got to give into it because it's just our nature and you, you just can't stop it. I say like, this as a to a fault binge watcher of shows. <laughs> I'm thinking of every scene where like just a passionate affair starts at like 
a pin drop. Like it's right. it, yeah. at the drop of a hat. Like <laughs> these two people are on top of each other in like an office at like two in the afternoon. Right. Like, yeah. That is not producing the right message for people to no. consume. Like that's not something that there's a series of choices that happen right. before that particular moment. And it's yeah. more mm-hmm. intentional than that. We like, get so caught up in like pushing this idea of like, oh, it's the heat of the moment. You're like, no, actually, there's <laughs> quite a few moments that lead up to that. Right. You gotta, it takes a while to start a fire, y'all. Have you ever tried to start a little fire with the little twigs <laughs> yeah. and the, you know. Something, something friction. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we can cut that. Uh, <laughs> so as I was reading this article, the thought that I kept having was so interesting is like, wow, okay, this is not an article from a Christian perspective. People are seeing, hey, this isn't working. Mm. We need depth. We need actual relationship in order to create intimacy. And we want that. They're coming out and saying, hey, we want more of this content in our magazines. We want to hear more about how to grow an emotional intimacy. We want to know more than just what's on the surface. And I'm sitting here going, okay, well, um, that sounds a lot like, you know, what the Bible has to say about love Mm -hmm. and sex. And that's cool. Like, seems like from a Christian perspective, we have this to offer. Like God has this redemptive, beautiful picture of sex that he created as a gift. And then my mind immediately went to the opposite extreme of purity culture, like from the 90s that I kind of grew up in. And I was like, well, the Christian perspective has Mm -hmm. this answer, kind of, but also Not so much. They've Uh, kind of made it a little bit tricky, I think, because they swung the pendulum completely to the other side as a reaction against this free love movement. And I understand why, because the people who experience that are like, I don't want the people that I love to have to deal with the consequences of this and the fallout and the destruction that I saw. And so let's go to the complete opposite side Mm -hmm. and start this movement that we call the purity culture. Right. So you're sitting in uh, an assembly at church camp and the 20 something year old youth pastor with his like frosted tips gets up there <laughs> on stage Yellow shorts. and he says, Hey guys, my name's Dave. I'm going to talk to you about sex today. Yeah. This over here is my smoking hot wife Uh huh. and we have amazing sex all the time and it's great. And someday you're going to get to be able to do that too, <laughs> but not yet. You've got to wait because if you lose your virginity before sex, You're like a chewed stick of gum. Uh, You can't ever return a chewed stick of gum back to its original state. And you don't want to lose that because you want to be able to give that gift to your future spouse. Do you ever sit through any of those talks? Oh, yeah. Just me. No. Yeah. I I sat through a number of those. (laughs) Yeah. And there are so many issues, I think, with Mm -hmm. what happened. And look, I want to try to give the benefit of the doubt to my good buddy Dave that I just (laughs) created Uh, and the guys that were having these talks back in the 90s Mm -hmm. and early 2000s. I think the best intentioned among them, like you're saying, yes, we're operating from a place where. They were trying to strike back out against this idea of free love and all the problems with it that we were just discussing. Yes. And to some extent, they have a point. Sin has consequences. Right. right? And that point was driven home really, really well. (laughs) But I think in the process of driving home that point, there was a lot of destruction happening. Yeah. And there was a lot of miscommunication happening. Mm. The crazy thing is even some of the people that were most prolific as a part of this movement, like Joshua Harris, the author of I Kiss Dating Goodbye, mm. which might be one of the most iconic books that were part of this purity movement at the yep. time. Yep. He's now come back and said, I'm sorry, I'm pulling my book from publication. Mm. I think it was wrong. He actually says, I think in an effort to set a high standard, I emphasize practices that were not in the Bible 
and trying to warn people of potential pitfalls, it instilled fear in people, fear mm. of making mistakes or having their heart broken. Mm. It also gave the impression that certain methodologies of relationships would result in a happy ever after ending mm. a great marriage, great sex, even though that's not promised by scripture. Mm. So he says for anyone that I misdirected or unhelpfully influenced, I'm, I'm really sincerely sorry, yeah. wow. which I think is, is great that he's, he's kind of yeah. going back and taking a look at a book that by the way, he wrote when he was, I think like 21 or really something young. like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad I didn't write a book about sex when I was 21. I mean, for real. It probably would not have been a very <laughs> Mine good, accurate been like, book. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, and then yo, by Isaac Weaver. Pages of just, yeah. yeah. But no, really, I think the purity movement did something really strange. And I think that if you're listening to this, having lived through the purity movement, you'll see this. It conflated two very different ideas that sex is both this wonderful gift from God. And also profoundly dangerous and to be avoided at all costs. Mm. And I think that that's the wildest message to send people, especially at an age like at a youth camp, like you're talking about, where like you're biologically all the switches are getting flipped. Yeah. Like you're the whole point of going to church camp was to meet girls, by the way. <laughs> Dude, <yeah. so. laughs> and, okay, that's amazing. And like we're joking about it. But I think that when we start prescribing shame to natural biological functions, that's a really slippery slope and a really dangerous road to go down. And I think the most dangerous part of the whole thing is that I think the purity culture created this environment where when we use words to describe losing your virginity and use things like used gum or unwrapped gifts, mm. that creates an environment where sexual assault goes completely unchecked and unconfronted. Because when you're in charge of your virginity, when it's something that you have to hide away and someone takes it from you, mm. what's your incentive to come clean about that? It's right. It's hiding all of this nasty stuff around shame. And that's yeah. terrible. And ironically, mm. I think it perpetuates one of the problems that the purity culture movement was actually meant to solve originally. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the purity culture movement, the people who originated it, one of the things that they were pushing back against was objectifying women, yes. which right. is a problem in mainstream culture. I mean, we yeah. parade women around and objectify them all the time. And then in the purity culture, we ended up perpetuating the same thing. We end right. up objectifying women mm -hmm. by using these metaphors and talking about their primary value being in their bodies. And when they're used up, they're not good for anything right. anymore. Yep. I mean, you talk about like a, a piece of tape that lost its stickiness. That's yeah. one mm -hmm. of the metaphors that I heard growing up. Yeah. And if you're going to compare losing your virginity to that, particularly to young women. I know it applied to young men as well, but I think it particularly sent the message to young women that once this is gone, right. you lose value. Yeah. Like you have a certain level of value and right. then now that value is lost, never to be regained. Right. Yeah. To me, that, that basically is teaching people like the primary value that you have is in your body. I was reading an article by an author named Liz Lenz, and she was talking about this. And she said, the insidious message of purity culture still clings fast in my marriage. And I often put it at the root of some of my deepest anxieties and fears. It taught me that above my mind or my talents, my body was my greatest gift. Right. And she said recently while telling a friend from church about a disagreement with her husband, this lady suggested having more sex. She showed me a handout from her pastor on making a happy home. Number one suggestion, be physically available to your husband. As if what was between my legs was the problem more so than the very center of my heart. Oh, and we just, we, we so emphasized the importance of sexual purity as it comes to our body that I think we sent the wrong message to young people saying, this is the very core of your identity. Right. And if you lose this, it's gone forever. Yeah. Gosh, like what a... 
what a terrifying message to hear as a young person. Yeah. And I think for me, again, not blaming anyone or not trying to like throw stones at anyone, because I think everybody was doing the best that they could with what they had. But I think for me, the caution turned into fear and Mm. complete avoidance of my sexuality, which worked for a while. And then, you know, you enter into a new season of life where not only is it okay, but it's it's supposed to be cultivated and celebrated. And I've had a really hard time shutting down some of those old messages. Right. I was told at 16 that I have done something unrepairable Mm. when people found out that I had had sex with someone. I was given the message that you have destroyed something in someone that you love. And I know that you can take that information way different directions. But at 16, I've been told that I've already screwed up and I had no motivation to correct the course. Yeah, because it's over. Because right. why would you? Why? Yeah. What do I do now? That led to ah. <laughs> even worse decisions being made down the road. <sighs> I just it is so dangerous to tell someone at such a young age that if they've messed up, it's done. Because it's, you've lost worth. It's so it's so against the actual gospel. Like, yeah. that's not what Jesus said. He said, I came to heal the sick. Purity isn't this one and done thing. The only way we can ever be pure is because of the blood of Jesus. So there right. aren't these two groups of people, the pure and the unpure. Right. There's all of us who are unpure being washed with the blood of Jesus. There's always redemption available at mm. any moment. Right. But you're right. It's a dangerous message that creates this intense amount of like fear and guilt and shame around sex in general. I think at the root of of all of this, one of the core things that we got wrong was making marriage and sex one of the central goals of our Mm -hmm. lives. Right. One of the most important components of our entire identity. Mm. And when our identity is placed into having sex or getting married, as opposed to pursuing intimacy with God. We're going to get off course. Right. Yeah. I mean, I literally remember, I don't know how many times I had a youth pastor or a youth leader talk about how maybe you want to hope that Jesus doesn't come back until after you get married. So you have the chance to have sex before Jesus comes yes, back. I remember and it was, those. It was kind of a joke, so but also kind yeah. of serious. Yeah. And if I'm honest, like when I was like 16 or 17 years old, I literally hoped Jesus didn't come back until I got married. Yeah. Because that was the central goal of my life. Like that was the pinnacle. That was the yeah. mountain of achievement that I wanted to climb. And your spiritual like, leaders are enforcing that idea. Exactly. They're yeah. teaching mm-hmm. that to me. Like once I get to that point, I will have accomplished everything that I <laughs> Want to come, then Jesus can come back. Like, <laughs> like that's pretty are we, big. Yeah, are yeah. we kidding? Like it makes it that's it, nuts. Like well, it, it makes it a finish line to run to. But it just it makes that the core of our identity. And when sex makes up the core of who we are, it leads to all of these other right. problems, in right. my opinion. Like it's putting that on a pedestal that leads us to the devastation that you feel when you screw it up. Yeah. That yeah. leads us to objectification and other problems. The ironic thing is it, it's the same problem on both sides. We've talked about yeah. the mainstream culture and kind of the Christian purity movement. Both of them place sex on this pedestal in the yeah. center of our identities. Yes. And that is the same core problem at the root of two very different movements. Right. And so as we kind of transition into the obvious question, which is, okay, what does a healthy view mm. of sexuality look like? To me, that's where you have to start. Yeah. Where do we find our identity? Right. If it's in sexuality, it's going to lead us down a, the wrong path, right? Because it's fragile. We're broken people. 
So we're going to mess that area of our lives up. Let's be honest. We're all sexually broken in some way because we live in a fallen world. So even within marriage, there's sexual brokenness that has to be worked out and redeemed. Mm-hmm. So if that's the core, it doesn't of our, solve the problem. No. Yeah. So if that's the core of our identity and something happens and it's not working out the way it's supposed to be, then what happens to your identity? There's just this complete implosion. Just from a removed objective point of view, centering the foundation of your life on sex is not at all sustainable. It's Mm. not something that you can carry on through your life. You are in a relationship with someone and if it lasts long enough, God willing, sex will not be a part of that relationship at some point down the line. And that's not something that you can build a life around. Because sex is not intimacy. Right. It can be an act of intimacy right. in the right context, but it's not intimacy itself. Right? Yes. Like to be intimate with someone is to know that person and be known by them. Yeah. Mm. And it's very, very possible to have sex with a stranger or even your spouse without mm. really achieving intimacy. Right. And intimate relationships are deep. They're meaningful. They're cultivated by hours of conversation, by shared experiences, like going on dates, like we were talking about earlier, Mm -hmm. by mutual respect. Like you cannot microwave intimacy. Mm. It doesn't just happen in 60 seconds, right? So good. It's not something, yeah, it's a cheap counterfeit. Uh, And that's what leads to rejection and disappointment. And that doesn't exist just for hookup culture that can happen inside of a Christian marriage and is often one of the things that leads to the downfall of Mm. of those marriages. It can certainly be a component of that. I think for me, the healthy perspective involves listening to the messages that I still believe, maybe from both of these distorted places from culture, but also from this like distorted legalistic place Mm -hmm. to start listening to what do I really believe about this? That intimacy is all the things you just said. It's about learning each other. It's about exposing yourself to someone emotionally and physically in a way you don't do with anyone else Mm. and creating a safe place to do that. It makes sense that the best context for that kind of raw relationship would be one where, you know, the other person isn't going to go anywhere when they get bored, when they find themselves disappointed with you, they're still going to stay there because there's this commitment. So that's the good part of the what the purity culture I think was trying to tell us. Yeah. There is something beautiful about that. Hey, I'm here. I'm with you, even though right. this is getting messy. Yeah. I mean, and let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like yeah. we're called to biblical purity. Purity is something that is good and desirable. So just because we screwed it up <laughs> and, and messed up the definition right. doesn't mean that purity isn't still a good thing. But what is purity? What is biblical purity? Mm. If sexuality is not at the core of our identity and instead Christ is at the core of our identity Mm. that completely changes the way I look at the word purity. Yeah. Purity isn't about not having sex. Inner purity is what's most important to God. Jesus tells the Pharisees that they clean the outside of their cup, but the inside is full of greed and self-indulgence, right? So that the trouble with purity as legalism is that we become obsessed with doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. AKA not having sex before we get married, all of these other legalistic rules, but inner purity inside of the cup, that's Mm -hmm. what's most important to God. Mm. And important to note, it's completely impossible to achieve on our own. Right. Right. Our state of spiritual depravity is too wrecked for our good deeds to fix it. Mm. And so purity is not a condition whether you're clean or dirty, it's a direction. Mm. Are you oriented towards right. the cross? Yeah. Right? Mm. If you're right. oriented towards Jesus, that's the starting point. Good deeds, like not having sex outside of the context of marriage, hopefully will flow out of that, mm. right? It's not that doing the right thing is not important at all, right. but it's a product right. of purity, yeah. not purity itself. 
Now it is time for On Repeat, where we take a listen to a couple of songs that we and you have been loving over the past couple of weeks. So this week, I'm going to talk about our beta testers choice for their On Repeat song of the week, their favorite song that's playing on Real FM Radio right now. And that song is Good Memories by Matthew Parker. Don't you worry, don't you worry. like Matthew Parker's music is that kind of music that like when you're not having a great day or you just need something that makes you feel good Mm. he's an artist to play oh yeah and that's what good memories is it kind of taps into nostalgia which is obviously a a big thing right now Mm. and it's just a, a celebration song yeah this happy upbeat feel that when you f- listen to it, it's going to make you feel better. It's a like, great song. I know. Yeah, I love it. It's one of my like sunny and 80 degree songs. Yes. <laughs> and the thing is, I feel like I need a couple of those in February. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. you know, I think it would be a really good summer driving song. And yet I can't make it all the way through winter without a couple of those. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Like, exactly. Sometimes I need a song that's like incredibly artistic and profound and all those things. Yeah. Yes. And other times I just want to. Song that yeah. sounds good, darn it. Like, exactly. If you put propaganda on in the car on like a summer road trip, <laughs> you're going to bum everyone out. <laughs> exactly. That is so true. If you don't want to bum everyone out, throw on good memories. <laughs> it's going to make you feel good. My personal on repeat this week is Stupid Deep by John Bellion. <laughs> So this song has been on repeat in my car almost daily, and I feel like I need it to be on repeat in my head permanently. The song perfectly describes what it feels like to be a human. The chorus says, what if who I hoped to be was always me and the love I fought to feel was always free? What if all the things I've done were just attempts at earning love because the hole inside my heart is stupid deep? I feel like he perfectly sums up. We all have this like cavernous ache that's Mm. literally stupid deep (laughs) that Mm. we're doing absolutely everything we can to try and fill up. Yeah. And we spend our whole lives working for something that is free ultimately. And I so identify with this because I always feel this intense pull to be doing more, trying harder and fixing myself. And it, it kind of creates this like eternal dissatisfaction with life if you're not careful Mm. because it's never enough. Yeah. I ask myself a lot of questions. What if I'm not good enough? What if I'm not loved? What if, what if, what if, well, what if I started questioning my questions and that's what I feel like this song is doing. What if who I hope to be was always me? What if where I've tried to go was always here and the path I've tried to cut was always clear. Why has life become a plan to put some money in my hand when the love I really need is stupid cheap. And if we're talking about grace, like, and the love that we need, we can't earn. I think mm. it's a profound song. And I know John Belly and I didn't really know much about him that there's some trickiness, but I'm telling you, like, I think he hit a home run with yeah. this song. 
Also, yesterday I discovered on Instagram the acoustic version of this song, and oh my <laughs> word, my head like exploded. There's strings and twinkle lights and like acapella As singers. As with all and, acoustic performances, oh, and twinkle lights. Yeah. It's magical, you mm. guys. This, like, this is a great song. Yeah, yeah, it's super accessible, but also very in depth and yeah. very reflective. All right, guys. Good sex talk. <laughs> Literally, my notes that I shared with... I need you to know that my notes that I shared with Anton and Kara were titled A Gaggle of Isaac's Thoughts About Sex that he's sharing with his coworkers. Which is not awkward at all. Uh, That's awesome. Well, I, I think we definitely had a, a good conversation today where we kind of talked about, again, mainstream culture and where we got things wrong. Mm. Christian purity culture, where we got things wrong. And yeah. ironically, how we got some of the exact same things wrong. <laughs> right. Right. Just by coming at it from a different angle. Yeah. And, and again, just to really drive it home, landing on that point that purity is so much more than sexual purity. Mm. Our identity is so much more than our sexual identity. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk podcast from Real FM. Catch Real Talk with Anson and Kara from 4 to 7 p.m. live every weekday on Real FM Radio. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent or reflect the views of John Brown University, KLRC Radio, or Real FM.